0: Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorney for interview lawyers and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Joining me today is Stephanie Everett, who runs the Lawyers Lab, who may be responsible for creating the most Exhibit A of successful attorneys of anybody that we've had.
1: Wow, that'd be exciting. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no problem. I my first foray ever into realizing how much I did not know was doing the lawyer a small firm scorecard and getting a very, very bad score. So that was my first moment when I realized how much I did not know.
1: Good. That was the so for anyone who hasn't taken it, it was just a tool, right? It's just it's our version of what are 50 questions we could ask lawyers to figure out if they're building a healthy law firm and um a lot of people take it and give themselves a failing score i like to remind you that you give yourself the score because you decide right like not only do you decide how to score yourself it's a one to ten for each question if you haven't taken it yeah. You know, so you also decide in your mind what is a seven versus what of a what's a five and maybe the next iteration that we do we could probably give some people some help there um but it's really interesting just to see how people score themselves. And then you can look back at the questions and decide, is this an area of my firm that I wanna spend more time in or not? Also in case, spoiler alert, in case you take it again, sometimes people do worse the second time. And I figured out why it's because they, the first time they take it, maybe they score themselves, for example, like on marketing and they say, yes, we have a strategic marketing plan, but then they start digging in. And as they learn more about marketing, they might realize actually, oh no, I don't I don't have a strategic marketing plan at all because Jordan's taught me all these amazing things and now I feel like I'm way behind. And so then they come back to the questions with a new appreciation for what they think that question means and what it's asking. And sometimes they'll score themselves harder. So we like to say like, it's just a tool. We actually take it every quarter as a leadership team for our company. And we see like what's shifted, where are we improving or where are we now grading ourselves harder or and why? And does that mean that's a something we should focus on.
0: I love that. I mean, for me, at least the first time, I was mostly like the ones. There were so many things in there that I just never thought about even putting together. Um, and obviously, I think I would do a little bit better. I haven't taken it in probably about a year or so. So yeah. um, anyway, that being said, so can you, did I, what did I miss? I know I missed a bunch in your bio. We had that's the little joke beforehand, but um, what, yes. what else about you? What else about lawyers? I assume everybody listening or watching this knows about Lawyerist, but maybe not.
1: Yeah. If you don't, lawyerist.com is where I tell people to head. Um, we hope, try to be your resource for solo small firm lawyers. And so a lot of times um, you're starting your business and maybe you have some idea or you have no idea. So we've created first the website to be a resource for you, both in terms of like how to build your business, but then also tools and resources your business might need. So you can go there and read reviews on all the different software providers and all the different tools and virtual receptionists. And, and also what I like is what do virtual receptionists even offer? What kind of questions should I be asking them or what features should I know? So you can you can kind of start there, I think, when you're thinking about your business to get a lot of, of help. And, and then we've added on from there right but most people come to us first either because of the website or our podcast so we also have a podcast um and then from that and from the small firm scorecard became our book so we also then have the book so we have a ton of resources to help lawyers at whatever stage they're at for their business and i guess about me i mean if it matters i'm a lawyer Sometimes that matters to people because they want to know, like, wait, have you done, do you know what it's like to be me? Have you done this? And I can confidently say yes. Like I started at Big Law after law school, had the opportunity to start my own practice with a partner. It was just the two of us and we brought my legal assistant with me um, when we started and we grew that to a team of 20 in just over under seven years. And I was the managing partner of that firm. So I can say, like, I have been in your shoes. I understand what it's like. I know about the ethical constraints. And, and I just know how hard it is. And I think sometimes that's what people want to know and hear. So makes that's what I'd say.
0: Sense. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. Because your website is like, there's that one component of almost like the consumer reports for lawyers. But then obviously, you guys just have a ton of great other resources, access to resources, good advice, tips, tricks. So it's a very wonderful place for people to start their journey in growing a firm. I'm not sure if you froze. Uh oh, am I back? Oh. Uh, your image is frozen, at least on my end. I'm not sure what it looks like on Breezy's end. Yeah. All right. Oh. Well, at least we have audio. We'll keep going. So it'll be a podcast okay. too. So it'll be fine. The, um. All am, right, so
1: the real we, question is, am I frozen with a silly face? Because usually on my team I am. So that's really annoying. <laughs>
0: uh, it was a little. It was a little bit of a smirk, but it had that like positive and negative smirkness to it it wasn't solely negative so you're unfrozen now um so before we get into ways to run a healthier firm and build build and run a healthier firm i want to talk about our last episode that aired on last thursday uh april fools although there are no jokes in the show other than my beard that was with morris lillenthal who talked to us about the six social media mistakes to make sure that you avoid to grow your firm So but enough about that, Stephanie, let's let's dive into that brain of yours when I think the first place to start is when we talk about building or running a healthier firm. What does healthier mean?
1: Yeah, I love that question because we use the term very intentionally with our business. Um, I mean, for sure, where most people go is profits. Right. And of course, we want you to have healthy profits. You're in business to make money and let's just all acknowledge that and let's make sure we're building a business that's going to be profitable. But I think it also goes beyond that. It means healthy teams, right? Like, are we staffing it and managing our teams in a healthy way, healthy systems um, to deliver amazing client services and ideally healthy clients? Like, we should be getting the right types of clients in for our business and saying no to clients that maybe aren't a good fit if we do all of that right, then it should lead to healthy owners, which is actually, I end it there, but that's always where we start when I'm working with new lawyers. Because the first thing I always want to know is like, why did you open this business in the first place? And what do you want your life to look like? Because so often time, ta- you know, we talk to people and they had this idea when they started their firm. And then they wake up one day and they're like, How did I get here? It's that song, right? Wasn't there a song about that? Um And it's like, yeah, you just kind of are going through the motions. And so your business should exist to serve you. It should allow you to live the life that you want to live, whether that, whatever that looks like, you know, because you want to work a lot of hours and you want to be, you know, taken out of your office feet first, which some people do. Um, or I think what I see more of is like, Hey, I want to have time with my family. I want to do things out. You know, I saw your episode with Mo, um, last thursday and he talked about his son a lot and doing sports things like he needs a business like if his firm and he was working so hard on his business or in it that he didn't have time to do those things then to me that's not healthy and that's not successful and that shouldn't be what we're trying to do so
0: yeah makes perfect sense and i always and i found and i don't know if this is like a chicken and the egg thing or whatnot but i've always found that sort of the better that i was doing the better the firm was doing and again it's probably a You know there's some causation there's some correlation in both directions but i love that that's where y'all start
1: yeah for sure
0: so excuse me um before we start talking about the ways to make sure your firm is healthier what else is there are there any initial things that we need to cover other than you know defining healthiness
1: i mean maybe we've beaten this drum enough that lawyers are finally getting it but if you are a partner in a small firm or solo firm, you do in fact own a business. <laughs> I mean, it sounds silly to start with such a basic premise, but for a long time when lawyers first started, you know, we were out there reminding lawyers that cause everybody, we had this whole business profession debate and it's like, yes, we have a profession, but your law firm is a business and it needs to be treated like one. And so I guess, if we If we need to kick off things here with that reminder, um, at least that's the approach we take is that it there is there's good things that come out of treating your your firm like a business and recognizing that it is a business and maybe looking a little bit to things that the corporate world's doing for suggestions on how you can serve your clients better.
0: Yeah, and I love that distinction. like as a lawyer, you are a professional, but as a law firm owner, your law firm is a business. Um, I'm I'm right there with you. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting because I think we all get those clients that think that we should be doing this for free for pro bono for, you know, because it's so terrible what happened to them. But like at the end of the day, I found that you can actually help people more in that way. If you have the foundation of a strong business, otherwise you don't have enough money to keep the lights on, to keep the business open, to pay rent, to pay payroll, whatever. And you can't really help anybody. Exactly. All right. So, ways to run or I guess uh easy ways to run a, health, uh, a healthier firm maybe it's not easy but what are some of the ways that we can do that what are some of the things we need to consider
1: yeah and I, I mean I've already hinted at this first one and and there's probably more than four right but we said like four is a good good place to start so I said well if I had to start with the top four where would I tell people and so the first one is a real maybe global overarching principle, but I think it has real, it shows up a lot in our everyday. So the first thing is we have to be intentional. And um, maybe you've already kind of heard me say that or heard that come out in the things we've talked about. I think that so often we see that lawyers start their business and kind of hope things sort themselves out or, or maybe even just do it the way it's always been done, right? So I worked for another lawyer and I saw how they run their firm. I'm a good lawyer. I'm a smart person. Clients like me, I can figure this out. And so then they just go and open their own business and it looks very similar to what we've seen in the past, which is which is interesting if we think about lawyers as a profession, like what we do in our job is we critique and we tear things apart. Like my job, when I had a, a real estate appraiser on the stand when I was practicing, my job was to cut through everything they were saying and try to figure and argue with why the approach they were taking and everything they had done was wrong. And so we are very, and we do that in all parts of our practice, right? If we look at the types of law we practice, that is what we are hired to do is to think very critically and maybe also to think very creatively. Like how can we find a solution for our clients that yes, we're precedent based. So of course we look to the past for that for that precedent and how the laws will be applied to our client, but our job is to go beyond that and look for the outs and look for different ways. So think about that framework and now put it how we apply our business. And isn't that interesting that we actually don't do that at all when it comes to our business. We typically will just say like, yeah, I'll do it the same way everyone else has done it. Or let me just get in here and see what happens.
0: You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Um, So when I, when I left the state attorney's office to open up my firm, I sat down with a bunch of other attorneys and I talked to them about their firms and, you know, tips and advice and whatever. But from my perspective, I never really got to if they were happy with their lifestyle. So like I had all these similar ideas, but not from the standpoint of like what backed that or what lifestyle that led to, or, you know, something along those lines. And so it was really interesting to see, a realization of financial success or of prestige or whatever, not necessarily be what I wanted because I was doing so many things. I was getting unintentional results based upon not really being intentional with what I was doing.
1: Yeah, I love that. So then, if we were to flip, the, yeah. So, what if you were instead to approach your business very intentionally, both in terms of what you want it to provide to you personally but also how you want it to look for your clients, how you want it to look for your team. Um, how can you design and build a business that looks different, that is successful? What what would that success look like? And so applying those same creative approaches to your business, and that does require that you be very thoughtful about it. You're not just gonna wake up one day um, I have a lot of people come to me. I don't know why this is a common objective, but it just it seems to be. A lot of people are like, oh, I'd love it if I only worked four days a week or, or work some kind of different schedule, or maybe they wanna work in a different country. That seems now that the pandemic has hit and everyone realizes that we weren't kidding that remote work is actually something you can pretty easily do. Um, I'm getting a lot more, hey, maybe I could live in X country for half the year or part of the year or whatever, which is cool and fun, right? So. If let's just say that was your goal, you're not going to just wake up one day and suddenly be at four days a week like that doesn't happen. And so we have to build and design our business. But but you can very if you're very intentional about it, you could for sure build a business that does that for you. Or I mean, it could be any number of things. I had a woman last couple weeks ago. She's a special needs kid and she was like, hey, I need to be really flexible because I have this other, you know, responsibility at home that I need to be able to take care of. And I was like, of course. So let's look at what does a business need to look like that would allow you to have that flexibility and serve and serve your life. And and by the way, hint, maybe that's not billing by the hour. Shock, right? I know.
0: Or high volume litigation with a uh, forced court dates left and right. And, you know, but so let me, let me flip this on you a little bit because I, I can answer it from my perspective, but how much do you find that like having built a firm and having been through a lot of this, when you got the opportunity to build Lawyerist, you built Lawyerist in a very specific way, having been through the lawyer side of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, in fair disclosure, the company had existed many years before me. Um, So I, you know, so that's also a unique challenge because I'm coming into a nine year old company with that history, but now I have a leadership role in the business and now I own part of the business. And so now I get to help. Like, what does that look like moving forward? Although I did create lab. So when I was hired initially, that was kind of what I was hired to do, come in and design this program for us. I've had to take my own medicine in numerous instances, and, and and I share this with our labsters because that's what that's what I call people who are in our lab program. So imagine a little lobster with suitcase, or a briefcase. That's what I don't know. Silly. There um,
0: we go. I know better so, than lab rats. That would be a lot worse. So.
1: Yeah, we did. We didn't. We thought that came up in a brainstorm. We decided people probably wouldn't resonate with that, but they kind of like labsters. Um, it's like a lot Long Island or whatever is that. What would that be? Boston. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, So I share with them that there are times where I have to step back and evaluate for myself like, so what are we building so let me give a real tangible example because maybe that will help. Um, There was a time in our program, where I did a lot of coaching right so I meet with individual lawyers, we talk through what's going on with their business and I help them kind of create solutions based on those conversations as the program has grown. And and that's probably very similar to what lawyers do, right? Because that's in a, in a way, you're not doing the coaching, but let's just, you're doing, you're, you're the one
0: clients, you're hearing their story, you're walking through the, you know, right. what makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. As our business has grown and scaled, I had to realize that my job, my most important job is not necessarily doing that one-on-one coaching, but it's two things. It's building out a team of coaches, which we now have, I have about, uh, I can't even count, but five or six coaches now who provide coaching for our attorneys. So part of my job is making sure that they're trained in our systems and that they have the resources they need so that a labster doesn't feel a difference between connecting with me or connecting with someone with our team, right? So so I had to shift my focus from being so focused on the end user to now building a team and systems to make sure that we could serve you and more people. And like the scorecard is a good example. I'm also now focused on building out tools and resources that lawyers can use that maybe don't require interacting with a person at all, that you could take the scorecard and get your results. And in the next iteration, get your results and get the next three steps that you need to take to improve your business. Right? So in the same way, lawyers, I, that's one of the things I have to coach, coach my lawyers to do because there's this moment as your business grows that you realize I can no longer be the one to handle all of my client cases. Like It's just not possible if I want to keep growing. And so you you have to make a shift where you now focus, your, your focus is on building out a team and building out those systems and processes so that they can be the great deliverer of the services to your clients. So I, I don't always succeed, but I find myself in those moments to your point where I have to step back and be like, wait, am I being intentional? Am I building yeah. this thing that we said we were going uh, to build? And, and what's the next steps I need to take to make that happen?
0: Well, and it's always, it's amazing to me because I always find, you know, as I shift towards that role as well, and, and as you've done it with lawyers in the labs, you find people that do the end job better You work together to create a better system to make it smoother and and easier for the person. You're positioned to help even more attorneys or clients or whatever it is. So it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a win, 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 win when you really get down to it.
1: Right. That requires you realizing your value is not just from being the lawyer on the case that your value really can come from driving strategy and building out something that looks different and developing a team and developing systems. And so You have to do a little mental gymnastics there, because I think for so long we're conditioned to realize our self-worth based on this feedback we get from our clients and to say like, well, but I'm the best lawyer. You know, how often do we think I'm the only one that can do this thing? I'm the only one that can write that brief. Um, Yeah, you know what? Maybe in your special style, but the client could be served in lots, you know, maybe not. Maybe there's other people who could do it and do it differently, do it better. Who knows? But yeah.
0: Right. Well, or if you have found that crazy niche where it has to be you, then you find somebody else to take payroll off. You find somebody else to answer the phones. You find somebody else to, you know, field the calls. You find somebody else to enter stuff in the case manager system. I mean, you can, you can create the role that you want for yourself, but the more you understand The specialization you can give everybody the more you can really be the best in whatever it is you're doing whether that's running a business or whether that's you know one component of of handling it
1: that's right and that yeah and i think back to our original point that only comes if we're being super intentional about how we approach our business and what our role is in our business so i I agree and i love it
0: well i also find that if you're the more you're acting intentionally if you make a mistake, I don't even wanna say like you do something wrong, you just decide that it didn't work out or you don't see the results from it. It's a lot easier to roll it back if you were very intentional about what that change was or what those steps were.
1: Yes, that's an awesome point. I know like um, one of the things we do internally on our team and that we teach as well um, is this idea of relentless incrementalism, right? So you, you don't have to like, I think we have this idea too, by the way, so we can get ourselves overwhelmed thinking, Oh, I need to change. Like you might've gotten your score. If you take the scorecard, for example, and you gave yourself a bad score, one takeaway would be like, Oh my God, I have all this stuff I have to do. Well, that's not the right approach, right? Instead we were, we're like, pick a thing and start chipping away at that part of your business and get better. But as you create, so you know, okay, I'm going to improve my client intake system. And this next quarter, we're going to make these five changes to it. The next piece of that is, let's schedule a time 30 or 60 days out from implementing that new system where everyone who touches that system on the team gets back together and we do that that download, like how's it going, you know, is it is it going the way we thought? And if not, then okay, what do we tweak this time? So we're implementing, we're testing, we're experimenting, and then we're iterating on that process. If you continue to do that, and that's what I tell everyone, I mean, you only need to make like 1% changes. I mean, the Cleo Trends Report t- told us this um, last year. They put up some crazy chart about how much the successful firms that were growing were growing by and like what percentage of change they were actually seeing. And I'm not going to get the exact number correct right now, but let's just go with me. It was like 3%. It was super small. Like, so you don't have to make huge changes to get at the top of the pack but if you consistently make 1% improve your business by 1% but you do it each and every month you're going to look back in a in a year which is a you know short period of time but you know, and you're going to see that you've made huge huge changes over the rest of the market
0: yeah i think it like 1% growth for like 2 months you've doubled like if you do 1% a day or something like that because it compounds I don't know. Whatever math math yeah. was not my uh. No, that's why I wanted me no
1: If if my husband was here, he would know that that stat and make fun of me for be like, "What are you talking? Stop!" But yes, but that's the point. Make small changes, go. folks. Incremental changes.
0: All right. So intentional incremental changes. What what's next?
1: Yeah, I think we kind of started to 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 get to this next point a few minutes ago. It's about time. Right. So I, my, my point is that we need to be entrepreneurial and think about our business and make time to work on our business. But the first big red flag everyone's going to give me is, but I'm already overwhelmed and I don't have any time. And now you want me to just do more things and I can't do anything else because I have so many things on my plate. And almost, and it, you know, inevitably when people um, first start working with me, they tell me I need some productivity tips. Like I need time management tips. What hacks do you have? They wanna know like, is there an app or is there a tool? There's gotta be some something magic I don't have that we unlock. And instead what I usually do is work with them um, to determine all the different things that are on their plate right now. And we actually chart out like an accountability chart that shows all the major functions of your business and who's actually doing them all. And um, I love this one quote, like once one woman, she kind of came up from this exercise and she was like, oh, I'm not. It's not that I'm not productive. It's that I'm trying to do 19 jobs. And I was like, yes, that is exactly what's happening. And that's what so many lawyers are doing. And they don't even realize it because they just think like they're doing the pre-bills and they're doing the accounting. They're doing all the things that you just mentioned um, a minute ago. And so I think in order to free up time to work on our business, which we know is super important, um, we've got to reevaluate what is on your plate, and we've got to look for those things that are your highest and best use. Like, what are the most value? What are the things that where you really do provide value and that you love doing them? And let's focus on those. But probably there's a whole lot of other things that we need to get off your plate, because let's you can't do it all. That's just silly.
0: So, and the thing that I've always found from that perspective is it snowballs so quickly in a good way. You know, it's like, all right, if you take an hour a week to get things off your plate, well, then the next thing you know, you have two hours a week that you can start putting towards it. And then you've got four hours and you've got six. And next thing you know, like you've got the actual ability to have enough time to work on your business because you're no longer working for your business in 19 different roles.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you give yourself space, like, um, it's always amazing when you give yourself just a little bit of space to think what amazing ideas you'll have. Cause I you know, I hear people say, but I'm not creative or I don't I don't know what to do. Like I only I do the things the way I've always seen them done because I don't know how they could be done any differently. Um you are creative, everybody has their creative bits, but how could your brain possibly be creative if it's so slammed with all the things that you're trying to do at all the times and you're filling up your mind with not only all your work to do's, but you know, also that you got to pick up soccer, you know, balls, or I don't know, like there's like a gazillion other home life things that we're doing too. So, um, so I think part of creating, getting things off your plate just also creates space in your mind for those big ideas to happen. And it it may sound really trivial now but this is this is leading me to my bigger point which is so super important this may end up being my exhibit a takeaway we'll see lawyers do this really dumb thing where we think if something is not billable it's not valuable and that is a mistake if i could tell you like let's spend th- 3 hours i don't know 6 hours maybe you spend a whole day building out a new product offering that will 10x your business. um, Because you can, you know, who knows all the reasons why? Like, would that be worth it? Would that be valuable to you? And everyone always says, Oh, yeah, I would love that. And I was like, then stop putting it off just because you and your mind think I can only I need to be spending my time on billable projects. Like this is what I need to do as client work. Again, it's coming back to where does your value come from? And now as a business owner, your value, your highest and best use may be building out new things for your business that will for sure two, three, four, 10x your business, but not if you don't give yourself the space to make it happen.
0: I mean, that's what I find about lunch and golf, right? Like I will generate more work going to lunch and golf than I would be able to do not going or whatever the networking event is or whatever the marketing plan is going to be or whatever, you know, whatever it is along those lines, you're not going to be able to build for those things, but that's how you keep the business running.
1: Right. And and somebody said to me last week, oh, when I actually I'm nurturing relationships with my client, with her referral sources, like she realized, like getting on the phone and talking strategically to client to financial advisors. And she does estate planning that always generates so much work for her. And and like the work, the creation of a trust or will or whatever it is, she has other people on her team that can do that. But she's the only one that can go and nurture those relationships with those financial advisors that's going to kick in that that work into her firm. And she's like, oh, wait, you mean this is actually where my time should be and energy should be focused? Well, yeah, for you, of course ding, it is.
0: Ding ding ding. Well, yeah. and you know, and it's interesting because I always from the, the similar concept to this, like that's what I love about block scheduling. You know, you carve out the time, these are gonna be my phone calls to referral sources this is going to be my deep work time, whatever it is along those lines, because then I feel like that's the way to not feel guilty about not doing it the rest of the time. You know, you've got this long to do list or you've got 50 financial advisors to reach out to or whatever your thing is, you know, it's so difficult to balance that when you don't have, this is the time for it. And if you don't get to it, you've got the time next week or later in the week or, you know, whatever it is along those lines.
1: Yeah. And so, one quick way, you know, a concrete way to, to start this process if, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, okay, I, I get it, I'm bought in. Now, what does that actually look like? Think about all the roles that you're currently filling in your firm. You know, are you the director of marketing? Are you the head of, you know, are you processing payroll and the chief um, financial officer? I mean, just, you know, you can sit here and map them all out if we just think about your business. And then maybe take a step back, don't think about your day at all. But if how much time if you had someone who couldn't you couldn't afford to hire a full-time marketing director right now, let's just pretend. How much time do you want someone to spend on the that role for your business? Is that a 10% job? Is that a 30% job? You know, what should that look like based on where you are with your business right now? And maybe sometimes thinking about it in percentages leads us to really interesting results. So if you answered, you know, 30%. I know I'm like I have to get my calculator because you know. I can't do math, um, that's 12 hours a week that you think in a vacuum somebody in your firm should be spending on your marketing activities. And so then the question is if, that, if you're the only person doing that right now, that should give you permission to now calendar out 12 hours worth of blocks to do that work or to ask yourself, what's a different way I can solve for this problem? Because if, you're, you're, if your response is, but I can't do all these things, And that's a different conversation we can have. What can we outsource? What can we do? But that's what you assigned looking just in a vacuum at how important that role is for your business and how much you need for it right now. I think a lot of times we just say I have too much on my plate, so I'm just not going to do that. Or I'm only going to give it 30 minutes a day or a week when in reality, your business demands more.
0: And I love the. I love putting it in those terms. I think that a lot of people would just be like a million hours, you know, a million hours are needed for all these things. But as you start getting it down into like legitimate workable numbers, I do think it's so interesting to see because that will also tell you what you internally value more as well. You know, if you're internally valuing marketing as a 20 hour a week job versus payroll as a, as a two hour a week job, you know, you figured out where what's more important to you or at least in that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then you can start doing fun things with it too. And now you can assign a dollar value to it because you know probably what your hour is worth. I mean, you can put an assignment on it in terms of where you spend your time and you don't have to give it your billable hour rate if you're doing different works. But suddenly if you're like, oh, so I'm actually spending 500 hours, I mean, $500 a a week on payroll, for example, but I could outsource it for, for 60 well, that's a good indication of maybe where you should go.
0: <laughs> yep. I love it. I just, it's, I mean, it goes back to the intentionality, right? Like once you have it figured out in a way that makes it clear, it's easy to see where you're intentionally have your holes. What, uh, what's our next one? Or did we get through all of them? I think we had one more. Uh,
1: I don't know. We Maybe another one. So let's just <laughs> go with, uh, I think the next one that we kind of haven't hit on too much yet is this idea of, um, and maybe it's twofold. It's it's client centered and it's empathetic. So um, our empathy. And so I think the next level law firm brings both of those things to the table. And that and again, you can see our theme here. It's it's you're going to have to be in, intentional to make this happen. Um, but we are fooling ourselves if we are just practicing the old way and not looking for opportunities to remove the friction in the way that our clients work with us and i'm sure we can all come up with lots of examples um you know but the an easy one for me my husband's business that we own um it does require one of those really weird specialties so i mean a lot of people know i talk about this all the time we own a craft beer distribution business sounds really cool and a lot of people want to talk to me about beer more than law i'm not a beer expert but you know i like to sample so um but if we have to, we have to go to a lawyer, one of the lawyers that we have that we, you know, engage with regularly knows about all the alcohol laws and distribution laws in our state, right, so that's a very specialty thing that we can't go anywhere for. Um, and our lawyer still sends us a invoice in the mail and wants me to write a check and mail it back to him like it's such a dumb thing but like. It slows up our pain. Like, I'm not good at that anymore. Like I'm out of the habit of writing checks and it's silly and I never have stamps. And I'm just like, really? It's 20, 20- what is it? It's 2021 21. these days. Yeah. It's, it's after
0: 1985. So checks are, uh, are yeah. on their way out, but except for old industries.
1: Right, and so that, that's such a silly example. And I hope most people who are watching this have already solved that for your firm because it's a really easy one to solve but email me an invoice with a link where I can go and I can just pay it online because that's how I interact with everything else in the world. Or, you know, another silly example, last year during the pandemic, we had to renew our lease and the real estate agent, and we were in the, it was right during the like severity of the lockdown. So we really were locked down. And he, he emailed me and was like, hey, I need you to print four copies of this on legal size pieces of paper, sign it and mail it to me. And I was like,
0: oh, no.
1: no, I'm not going to go buy a re. I don't have legal size pieces of paper standing around and I'm not going to buy. And I was just like, no, like uh, eventually in case anyone's wondering, I downloaded it to my iPad in a notability app. I signed it with my Apple pencil, uploaded it back to him as a PDF and was like, here you go. But I was like, seriously, you don't have a way for me to electronically sign this document. Like, I just couldn't believe how hard it was to do business on, in, in, on just such simple things.
0: Yeah, I but, actually, to be totally honest, I actually did not join a, um, it's not group, co- like a group mastermind thing. Cause they didn't have e-signature. And I was like, how can I take advice from you on running a better business? If I can't e-sign for like $5,000 a year, I was like, download Adobe, it's 10 bucks or what you know? Hello sign. <laughs> so I I'm right there with you. Um, my wife and I have that issue in terms of like getting money from one account, because she has a Wells Fargo account, I have a Chase account, and none of us have checks. And we're just like, well, I'll pay you this, and I'll pay it here, and we'll pay this, and we'll switch it that way, and whatever. But no, I, I'm I'm with you. And I'm sure there's a million other smaller things that come up in every firm that if you were on the client side, you would realize and figure out a way to go through it.
1: Right. So. So the takeaway here is put yourself in your client's shoes, like for real, they're coming to you, they're stressed out, they're probably, they're probably dealing with some and you know, with their life or their business, it doesn't matter as a business owner, I can say that our business problems are equally as stressful to us as our personal problems. So, you know, we're coming to you in crisis so our emotions are high. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Do you make it easy for me to interact with you? I mean, even pre-pandemic, I used to get annoyed when people would be like, well, come to my office in the middle of the day, drive downtown, find a place to park, pay to park, you know, head to my office and I'll meet with you for 30 minutes and we can talk about your problem or sign your document or whatever it is. And I'm like, that's such a silly, like, no, I don't do business that way with anybody else. So I want you to just Put your, when you start taking that client centered view of everything you do in your business, you'll see so many opportunities to better educate your clients, better align with them. I mean, it, it starts, it gets fun and we could come up with a gazillion examples, but you just want to make it easier for them to connect with you and to do business with you. And, um, I promise it will pay off. It'll make your life better. It'll make them happier, they'll send you more work all the all the good things come right like manna from heaven it all starts multiplying um, but it starts with you realizing that you might be difficult to work with and just taking a step back and thinking about it from a different perspective
0: makes perfect sense all right, so as we get towards the end, are there any other any other tidbits you want to make sure we cover? I mean, I know there's we could do this all day, I know, but it's a good. No. <laughs> It's a good, I think, bite sized place to start.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could do it all day. And, I, you know, and I, that's what I do full time every day, all day. So, so don't get overwhelmed because that's, you know, that's what I don't, I don't want people to hear this and be like, well, then what's the point? There's just too much to do. Start with one thing. Maybe it's your payment system or maybe it's your intake system, you know, or maybe it's just what's on your plate. But if you could just take one thing,
0: No, I will. I'll echo that sentiment. The, I think the more you focus on either getting things off your plate, or the more you focus on recreating a system that prevents a problem from coming back up, the better. You back with us? No. All right. <clears throat> anyway, I think that's where you have to focus on. You know, you have to focus on that—not necessarily time management, but that legitimate time uh, restraint that we are all on based upon, you know, time moves at the same speed for all of us. And so I just, I love that concept of getting things off of your plate or creating a system that will cause the problem not to come back up. And then that gives you more and more time to continue tri- transitioning over to working on your business. So as we wait for Stephanie to come back, let me talk about our next episode. We'll get that out of the way. So this Thursday, one thirty Eastern time this Thursday, 1:30 30 Eastern time. That is April 8th. We're going to have Jay Ruane talk to us about everything you need to know from A to Z on social media marketing. For any of you that don't know Jay Ruane, Jay runs FirmFlex, a do it yourself, do it with you and do it for you social media platform for all sorts of lawyers across the country. And I will legitimately go on record. Jay is one of the smartest lawyer marketers that I know he is consistently posting information that is awesome and helpful and has sent me down a number of amazing rabbit holes in finding new tech and new systems to go for it. And with that, Stephanie, I think you're back with us.
1: Yeah. I don't know why my thing wants to just switch headsets in the middle of a call. I don't
0: know. It is what it is. So then, all right, so let's do it this way. Um, If somebody has listened to this for the last 45 minutes, they take nothing from this. What is the biggest takeaway? What is the most important thing? What is the best piece of advice you have to help people become the exhibit A of a successful attorney?
1: Yeah, your business matters. So if you just look at what's on your plate and start being really intentional about how you spend your time and how you start systematically improving your business, it may not feel like billable work. And so but don't fool yourself. That is the only way, in my opinion, that you're gonna see dramatic shifts in your business. So just start start small, but get started and and build some time in to make these changes in your business.
0: Love it, makes perfect sense. And I just, it is, it, it is called the practice of law because the law is constantly evolving, but also it's called the practice of law because you can constantly make your firm better. You can make changes, you can make tweaks. So don't get overwhelmed get happy about the fact that you can get that much better every day, week, month, year, whatever, and hopefully have that fun, a better lifestyle, a healthier firm, a healthier lifestyle, a healthier life, a healthier everything.
1: Yeah, I love it. That all sounds great. Let's do it.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And before I let you go, where, what's the best way for people to get involved with Lawyerist if they haven't yet? Is it the small firm scorecard? Is it the small firm roadmap book? Is it checking out a lab? What's the what's your suggestion there?
1: Yeah, head to the website. You'll find a ton of information there, lawyerist.com. Uh, you'll get a prompt to join our insider group, which is completely free. And that unlocks a bunch of tools for you and additional resources that you wouldn't otherwise get. Um, and so do that, and then we'll tell you in our nice welcome email, more information, if you want to, you know, check out the lab or anything like that, we'll, we'll for sure make that available to you, but, but get those free resources. And, um, and I think you'll find there's just a ton of information about all parts of your business on the site. So it's a great place to start.
0: Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com. E-A-S-E.